previously on Follow the Leader. Hey, Dora. Hey, Kale. Or hey, Mac. Where are we going to set this game? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of this place called the City of Gulls? Mac. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about your terror? So, I am playing someone called Zephyr. Uh, Zephyr is ostensibly a ghost. Your character knows Zephyr's true name. Your character does not know Zephyr's former name or the name Zephyr. Zephyr is a humanoid terror. Their adjectives are fickle, cold, and savvy. So, I am going to be playing the human, and my human's name is Marius. Thank the gods for small favors. They use they them pronouns, and uh, their adjectives are severe, intelligent, and foolhardy. I think Marius. Marius says, "I need to know what you know about she who whispers." When Marius says her name, one eye opens, and then a second one, and then a third one, and. Then, I think as an afterthought, a fourth one. Uh, so they just kind of press forward with, uh, I need to know how to boil her. There's this weird twist in the lower part of Zephyr's face. And here's where psychic bullshit happens. Because I don't think that Zephyr's quite figured out how to make a mouth work yet. But Marius gets the sense that Zephyr is saying it's not in these exact words it's a sense that this is what they're trying to say but basically Zephyr is like you want to foil she who whispers mistress of death you have some lofty aspirations if you think you want to best her we now return to your game already in progress I feel like this scene this scene is probably a couple of days later. This is the first time that Marius has set foot in their study since that night. And part of that's because it's like they feel ashamed at having let themselves be spooked. And part of it is also being unsure of how to proceed, but not wanting to admit that to themselves. Like, going back to their, you know, going back to the drawing board feels like defeat mm. to them. So, I think it's probably late afternoon slash early evening when uh, they finally get there. And uh, I think they're trying to uh i don't know i i'm torn because it's like part of me wants to to say that they've got the curtains drawn because they're trying to like kind of acclimate themselves to the concept of being in the dark uh but part of me thinks that they're 
still a little shaken about what happened. So they're not quite wanting to keep the curtains fully drawn. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's the concession and why they're there in the late afternoon to early evening, because it's like they'll have some light, but you know, eventually it'll fade. And so I think they're going over calculations for when the next uh the next night, like the last one, could potentially be to see how long they have to get their shit together. Hmm. Here's the one problem with having asked if anyone wanted me to, if anyone was willing to give up one of their characters. And I thought about this when I asked the question in the first place. It's, I'm scared. <laughs> I want to be able to do them justice. So I think there's a knock. Mm hmm. At the doorframe wall. Um. <laughs> He can't call them Doc in this universe. <laughs> I want him to so bad. Or Prof. I would. I. I. But that would have been. That's. That's the next thing I was thinking of. But I wanted to be. Hey, Doc. <laughs> like. Oh my gosh. But it's. 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 It's something closer to. Hello, Professor. Uh, am I disturbing you? Out of character, Marius knows who this is, right? Uh yeah, I think they I think they know each other. I can't imagine that they wouldn't. I think that I think that he's been in the city for a, a not maybe not a long time, but at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh. Uh Kari, was it? Yeah. Oh, um I'm <sighs> I admit you caught me at maybe not the most opportune time, but I can I can wait if you need me to. I don't mind. There's a a moment again, Marius weighing their choices, but they just kind of shake their head and step back. Uh, no, feel free to uh, uh feel free to enter. You aren't interrupting anything terribly important well i uh i'll try to make it quick at the very least um so because i don't think it's actually going to be revealed in the scene itself um not at least from what i'm thinking about this is a move that the humanite has called possession you seize control of a person near the human there must be a tell, uh, erratic behavior or something out of place in their appearance, and you cannot possess the human player even with their consent, which is something that I was thinking about, but, uh, it, Dora said no, so the answer is no. So I went with the next best thing. This is Kari Valon. Love you, Jade. <laughs> um, and the thing that is kind of wrong is that his eyes seem to be a little brighter. They're, like, glowing a little bit. In fact, it's kind of like he's glowing a little bit. Just a little bit. Not enough to actually cast any light in the room, but kind of like you look in his direction and he just kind of looks brighter. Now, for Marius, is this really any different from how Kari looks normally? I don't <laughs> know. However... It's very weird. <laughs> Other than that, Kari's acting... Well, Kari's gonna act a little bit differently because I'm playing him instead of Jane, so we can chalk that up to the possession, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I, I feel like Marius kind of writes them the seeming brightness off as wishful thinking. So I think uh, Marius leads Kari out of the the sort of like entrance of the library and uh takes him to what basically amounts to their office i guess it's not really like i i'm kind of imagining it not really as being like a separate room but being something that's like you know sort of like a out of the way corner of the stacks quote unquote walled off by some fabric hung 
between shelves almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they look at Kari and ask, What would you need my assistance with? I heard from a couple of your youths that you've been researching this. Um, and he, like, kind of wiggles his fingers a little bit, like he's trying to come up with the word. Um, this darkness. And it's difficult to speak of, but I wondered if you would consider something for me? Marius kind of smiles and says, well, I do make it my business to consider many things. <laughs> That you do. Um, do you know the story of Annabelle Lee? Folklore and literature are hardly my areas of study. Yes, but see, the thing is, is that she was also researching darkness. Rather, she was, she was touched by it, I guess is the best way to put it. She was visited on multiple occasions by someone who didn't often leave a witness behind. And it's it's said that she was the reason why the world well, that she was the first the first tile that led to the calamity. And I I have a... I Forgive me for speaking in hypotheticals here, but I have a, a friend, I suppose, who I'm concerned... And I, I, I know what this sounds like. I'm... Professor Favors, I don't claim to know you well enough to be speaking about you in this instance, but I do have a friend who I am afraid has been tangled up. Something terribly in all of this. Marius narrows their eyes. I'm I'm not sure I catch your meaning, Mr. Valon. I grew up with a woman who always seemed to be a little bit dark. And I'm not I, I am not supposing that there be such thing as as reincarnation. I don't think that that's I don't believe in that sort of thing. Nor do I necessarily believe in the story of Annabelle Lee myself, but she has disappeared, my friend. And I am not... I did not come to this city seeking her, but I think she's here. And I don't... You can tell me no. I will not blame you. But if you see her, no, forget it, I'm being a little ridiculous about all of this. It isn't ridiculous to want to find people that you care for, I suppose. Uh, If I happen to see anybody who answers to the name of Annabelle, I can certainly send her your way. He, like looks up at Marius and then and he blinks like very slowly and then he smiles thank you professor i i appreciate it but be careful i don't doubt that your intelligence would rival hers but she was the smartest person i know and just as I would hate to see what would become of that intelligence turn to darkness. So I think there are people in your life who fear the same. And he kind of smiles a little. Like in the, in the, <laughs> sorry, I don't know what I'm saying sort of way. Marius just kind of nods slowly. Well... I'll be sure to reach out if I hear anything. Thank you, Professor. 
it it's definitely a weight off of my shoulders. I think that scene. Yeah, I was about to say the same. I wanted to say before that I think that Zephyr, the 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 shade of Zephyr, kind of passed Kari as they were going through the hall, mm-hmm. and Kari kind of like looked at them and nodded a little bit, like, and not like at Zephyr, but like a nod of like they're still here. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky because Zephyr didn't actively do any tempting there. Yeah. But also, like, I don't think Marius was... Yeah, I don't I don't think Marius was particularly put off by what happened. I think it was more, like, a little baffling more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame them. So, uh... I think we're gonna go with uh with favor on this one. Okay. I'm so sad that Jade's asleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanna tell them all about this. <laughs> I like specifically didn't give them any details. <laughs> but I god, I wanna tell them so bad. <laughs> Alright, well, there's tomorrow. Yep. Okay. I'm so glad that the human starts all the scenes because I'm like, oh god, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, you still have to figure out what to do. It's just that... Yeah, but you give me a jumping off point. So, I think... So, I think I like the idea of what we briefly spoke about in DMs. Oh yeah, let's go! So, uh, I just need to figure out a good setup to, like, lay the groundwork for this. I mean, they could go back to the temple. Unless they're too scared. No, I don't... I, I don't think they're too scared. I think... I think by the time that the next opportunity... Well, actually, no. What if, what if the the next opportunity that presents itself is actually only only a few days away, based on like the weather patterns and things like that? So, mm-hmm. like, they're not having to depend on uh, the moon phase at all. Uh, so they're able to, you know, there's this there's a brief moment where they're like. You know, part of them's like, yeah, don't you remember what happened the last time you went? And the rest of them is like, yeah, I was being, I was being ridiculous. There was nothing to be worried about. I can't let another opportunity slip through my fingers kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, of course not. Here's them being, you know, making ill-advised life choices and to specifically make sure they don't make the same mistake twice quote-unquote mistake (laughs) they don't bother bringing a lantern oh my fucking god marius (laughs) so yeah uh marius is at the temple dead of night no stars no lantern (sighs) I think this is physical manifestation again, but I don't think that Zephyr, that, that they can see Zephyr yet. Mm-hmm. Or rather, I don't think that they can see Annabelle yet. Which I only just realized. I'm like, hmm, what if it's Annabelle? <laughs> now, she can't touch them without their permission, so this will be good. Maybe she's sitting on the, um, on the steps. Does she say anything to indicate that someone is there? No. I feel bad about asking this, but do they just run into her? They might. Like, they're so focused, heads down, on, like, getting to the temple before, like, the weather changes, slash gets bad, slash gets worse. 
or whatever and uh it doesn't even occur to them that there might even be another person there let alone right there where they could run into them so so yeah i think i think maybe they just literally run into her mm that's good does she say something or does she leave them the opportunity to work themselves up a good head of steam oh they they have to they have to uh work up a good head of steam because i want them to realize that why is someone sitting on the temple steps in the middle of the night <laughs> on a temple you're not no one can see yeah okay yeah so so marius runs into her and their first instinct isn't to apologize or anything so pedestrian as that. Uh, their first instinct is to demand why, why would someone place themselves in such a, such an inconvenient position? There's no light. There's no indication whatsoever that you are here why would you put yourself in such a position just so someone with more pressing matters can trip over you <laughs> is that laughter in character or out of character? Uh it's it's both. <laughs> I was originally thinking, ah, oh, this is nope, this is definitely in character too. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Marius gets very indignant and is just like causing someone to nearly fall down and break their arm, if not other more fragile bones in their body is hardly a laughing matter. You haven't even apologized. Uh, the voice is the same. What sort of apology would you like, Professor? Though I dare say that this moment's hesitation may have made all the difference. Hmm. I think the familiarity of the voice gives them pause, but they don't they don't speak any of the possible things that they could call her. Uh they just kind of if Annabelle can see in the dark, she would see them their their expression go from stormy to to kind of like startled. And then they say, ah, I see, uh, you were not any of the things I was expecting to encounter tonight. That was your first mistake. Not expecting you? Um, not expecting me to be among the things you were going to encounter. Because I very well could have left alone but it was more than likely that at some point you would have found me here so well i know what brings me to this place it was not the promise of your presence why are you here to make sure that you didn't See something that you should not have. Marius snorts. And what, pray tell, am I supposed to see in this light? <laughs> well, that's really the thing, isn't it? You shouldn't see anything. And she kind of, like, looks up at the sky and she says, If you'd come, oh... Five minutes earlier? If I hadn't been here? 
very likely that you would have seen something. And then we wouldn't be having this conversation. And before you ask, I don't know, because I haven't seen it either. But I do know that no mortal can survive it. Hmm. Well, I'm not nearly so foolish as to think that the depths of this place should be plumbed at the whims of the sky. I'm just here for a preliminary investigation in person. By all means, I won't stop you. She kind of, like, sits back against, like, a one of the columns. I'm assuming there's columns. There's always columns. Yeah, there's there's columns if we say there's columns, and you say there's columns, so... Um, I am assuming that there's a little bit of, like, smug amusement in that statement. Or at the very least, Marius is reading in some smug amusement into that statement. And uh, that just, like... It's this weird mix of, like, indignation and necessity to prove themselves and, you know, feeling foolish and being upset at being made to feel, feel foolish and I'm trying to think about how they would phrase God. I, I feel bad because I can just... I almost imagine them just, like, storming off in not a random direction, but just storming off away from Annabelle and and maybe not even saying anything <laughs> else to her at all, which, you know, it's it's just a very silly mental image. And it's like Marius loves to have the last word, but at the same time, it's just like when they can't come up with the last word. Yeah. Just, just, humph! Yeah. Yeah, basically. And so, uh, they... I do think they get up to the wall, though. Like, they're they're not going into the building or anything like that, but they're, like, walking the exterior of the building with their hand, like, on the wall, tracing, uh, tracing it, and, like, mentally taking stock of like okay well this is this is where a seam in the building material seems to be this appears to have a different texture this feels sort of like it's been carved or hewn into some sort of pattern that kind of thing they they do they do realize that that's not going to be consistent the next time they come right i feel like they come to that conclusion but even after they come to that conclusion they still continue taking stock of this data because that's still more information than they had you know five minutes ago no that's fair so um the key here is that i i've already said that exact phrase before uh there was a manifestation in the temple at like the exact moment that marius was climbing the stairs mm. And if they had walked in, um, they would have been torn to bits. Because mortals can't look on the true forms of the divine. Yeah. But Annabelle really doesn't know exactly what it was. She just knew that something was going to manifest, and Marius was going to go around the temple, and if they caught a glimpse of it, well... Yep. There wouldn't even be a body. Be lost to the dark. Yeah, bodies are overrated. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No body, no death. <laughs> so yeah. Do you think that's it? I feel like Marius completes an entire circuit of the building, and I want to say that like maybe they don't even actually feel where the entrance would be under their palm, but they get to a place where based on their their mental map of the area like has to be where where they first started and so they get there and they open their mouth to say so something pithy and i'm going to ask this question even though i'm pretty sure i know the answer 
Is Annabelle still there? Yeah, she is. She's in the entryway. Okay. Did you think I was going to say no? <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought you were going to say no. No, I was going to tell you that I thought that she was in the entry. Okay. Well, damn, then that means I actually have to come up with something pithy <laughs> for them to say. <laughs> um, You can abstract it. Yeah, I think... I think they're they're just going to say something something pithy about how there's nothing of any note but architectural and beyond the architecture's penchant for disappearing under the wrong sort of gaze there's nothing to be worried about for now and now she's gone yeah, I think that's it. So, Marius did not care for that interaction at all. Again, I don't blame them! <laughs> so, like, even though they're technically tokens of quote-unquote revulsion, like, this isn't revulsion, this is just Marius being... Marius. Yeah. Episode title. This isn't yeah. revulsion, this is just Marius being Marius. It's a little long, but... This isn't revulsion, this is just Marius. This yeah. Is, this is normal. It's fine. So, the final scene is upon us. Oh boy. <sighs> I think... How do you feel about dream visitation? I was waiting for you to ask. <laughs> Because I feel like I'm not sure how much time has passed between what just happened and this scene, but I do know that I want this scene to be significantly less rooted in reality than the previous ones have been. Um, hey, Dora, I have a thought. I'm going to DM you real quick. Okay. I mean, it's gotta happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry I just signed you up to portraying two characters, but... Okay. Let me DM you something back. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so, I think because of the nature of what this dream is likely to be, I think it has to be... Is it is it actually maybe maybe the next day like Marius drags themselves back home and like by the time they get home dawn is just breaking and they flop face first onto their bed mm -hmm. and fall asleep. Yep. That's good. And Obviously, Marius is passed to fuck out, so they don't see this, but, like, you know, for the viewer's sake, there's just sort of, like, a whisper of air and a very quiet sigh and, uh, the, the curtains, even though they're, they're kind of thick, just flutter just a little and, like, pull themselves closed and in the dream marius is on the beach but it's not the volcanic sand it's not the black sand beach it's a different beach i may i make a suggestion yes the sand of this beach is bone white Yes. And, uh, maybe a little powdery like ash. Mm. But it still kind of glitters in that way that sand does. Yes. And there are streaks of seaweed, like, where the, you know, that kind of, like, mark the tide line. And, like, in the distance... Behind them, Marius can hear 
the sound of people like people murmuring in a way that's like vaguely alarmed but they're because it's it's a dream and it's dream logic they're they're like rooted in place they can't turn around they're locked facing forward out over the water they can only just kind of like vaguely make out wisps of smoke billowing behind them out of the corner of their eye mm. Um, this is a fugue state. Who's creating the fugue state? We just don't know. You create a dreamlike setting around the human or invade the human's dreams if they are sleeping. This may be anything you like and you may appear to the human in any form that you choose while in this setting. The human may interact with you or the setting, but you set the rules of that interaction. Fugue states are ephemeral and may be used to manipulate a human's desires. Um... Dora's note here is, when using this move, try to provide the human an image of something they want, but put your own touch on it. Um, may I add a detail here? Of course. Everything is monochrome, including Marius, but not the other two figures who are in this dream. Love a good black and white. <laughs> yeah. There's also a big, uh, there's a big cat <laughs> in the dream. So I do have a question for you. How are the other two figures arranged? Hmm. I want to know where you where. I don't know where she is, and I have to figure out which version Marius is looking at. So. So I think. The reason why Marius, uh, Marius's attention is rooted and firmly fixed forward is because they see standing on top of the water the sketch of a woman in mostly blacks and a couple of streaks of red. And this woman is tall, and she is gaunt, and she has an incredibly wide grin. And she holds hands with the other figure, uh, her fingers tight, and what Marius, like, mistakes for her silhouette at first, it turns out on a little closer inspection, is actually just this long black hair that's wrapped around her like a mantle, almost. And some of it snakes down her arm to wrap around the wrist of the other person with her. Um, Marius sees Annabelle. A uh, little pale, eyes a little blank uh, and unfocused. Uh, I don't think Marius has ever seen Annabelle before, and they, um, because they didn't actually see her, last night so they see this very small woman with this messy shock of black hair that she's got pulled back and she is she's wearing a dress she's weird marius doesn't know why it's weird marius doesn't know why they feel like they've never seen Annabelle in a dress before. Marius doesn't even know this woman's name. <laughs> but I said in Arc 24 that when... I forgot about this. When Marius summoned Zephyr in Arc 24, I said that they got the same feeling that the playwright Marius got in the theater. Mm -hmm. 
And Marius is now getting the same feeling that they get, that the ghost hunter Marius gets when they see Annabelle. This sort of fond exasperation, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they don't know why they're feeling this way. It's not their feeling. They've never seen this woman before in their life. And her hand is limp in the grasp of the woman who's holding it. The figure who's holding it. Which doesn't really seem to bother the figure at all. She seems uniquely unperturbed by everything around her, by the noises, by the water, by the sea spray. And I think she takes a couple of steps towards Marius, or let me rephrase that, she sort of glides forward in a manner that would imply steps had been taken, uh, sort of dragging Annabelle along with her and leaving a train of that black hair mixed with the streaks of dark seaweed in her wake. And I'm trying to decide. Hmm. Does Marius fully understand who they're looking at? I think there's a sinking feeling in their stomach, but they don't want to believe it. You said that they have a very scientific, a very clinical approach to the supernatural and the occult. Yeah. Um. So I think that they can sense that this is not, this is, this is wrong in a lot of ways. But they're trying desperately to believe that it's it, what, not what it seems. Yeah. I think they try to open their mouth to say something to Annabelle, but no sound comes out. Um, she kind of shakes her head a little bit. They... They're stubborn, so they try again, and the only thing that, that comes out is, like, a low sort of... A, a cat's meow? <laughs> Like, I don't know if you have ever really dealt with sleep paralysis before, but in my personal experience, sometimes when it's like I'm trying to get myself out of sleep paralysis, I'll try to scream to, like, wake myself up. And all that comes out is just kind of like a low wheeze. And so... It's that kind of noise. Mm. And I think the the woman just kind of, the, the figure of a woman just kind of like advances slowly dragging Annabelle, Annabelle along behind her with uh, some of the seaweed like getting caught around Annabelle's ankles. I think as they get closer, Annabelle's eyes start to clear a bit. And she kind of, like, she's still moving too slowly. Mm -hmm. And in the background, there's a roll of thunder. And I think the voices start to rise in alarm. Mm -hmm. I admit, like, I don't want the figure of a woman to actually say anything to either of them. Um, okay. Can there be impressions? Yeah. Like, she's definitely entertained in and pleased in the same way that you might be entertained and pleased if a pet brought a toy and dropped it at your feet. Like... Not even necessarily to play, but just like, you know, sometimes cats bring in a uh, prey that they've hunted 
but they'll also do the same thing with catnip mice as much as real mice mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it, so it's that, that same kind of like, oh, isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. But I think that accompanies uh, her inexorable presence, her inexorable force rising from, well, not even rising, like gliding atop the uh, choppy waters. Mm -hmm. I just had this image of her holding out her other hand and Annabelle's rising at the same time. I don't know if that's what happens, but I had this image of it. It does start to rain, though. What does the rain feel like? Part of me thinks that it's it's not even rain. It's it's grit falling down from the sky, and there's been an explosion behind Marius. May I suggest a volcanic eruption? Yes. Okay. You absolutely may. I have reasons for this, which you'll find out. <laughs> um, but Dora will find out at some point soon, and y'all will find out if you subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's what I got for that. And Annabelle, oh no, I do have one more thing, um. Because Annabelle's looking up at Ningal now, and she's starting her 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 movements are starting to go a little bit faster, but they're not quite fast enough. And she looks down to Marius, and there's recognition in her eyes that Marius doesn't understand because they've never seen this woman before. How would she know them? Yeah, I feel like at this point, Marius is largely a creature made up of dread that they do not want to confront. And that recognition, like, it's like they don't want to know how this woman thinks that she knows them. Hmm. Wow, something Marius doesn't want to know. <laughs> and I think it's just about time for Marius to wake up. Uh, okay, so I had a I have a thought about this. Mhm. Mm so <laughs> my brain was like so so my brain was like the thing about she reaches out and Annabelle's hand lifts at the same time. Mhm. Mm like extending the hand to Marius and then all of a sudden, Annabelle, like, yanks away and punches Marius in the face. <laughs> and they wake up at the impact and someone's banging on their door. I would like to add that they do, like, bring a hand up to their nose, because, like, it still hurts, and, like, there's just, like, the tiniest trickle of blood. Yes. There. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And as Maria starts to wake up again, they can hear Sable's voice at the door. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that sounds like the end to the scene to me. That, yeah, that sure does it. So tell me. Ending the game. After five scenes, the game ends. Uh, we tally up the tokens of favor and revulsion. There's a whole bunch of math stuff that happens. We're just going to roll it without explaining it because, frankly, this was like my yeah. first real foray into writing games, so it's kind of messy. And I'll have to. Do you give a token for the final scene? Oh, yes. Uh, sorry. Yes. Revulsion. Mm -hmm. Clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just assumed it was a foregone conclusion, so I forgot to vocalize it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I knew that it was going to be revulsion. I just needed to know for, and the listeners needed to know. Yeah, no, you're one hundred percent correct. Um, I'll probably end up having to rework this at some point because it's a mess. But uh... um, I can do minus, right? Yeah. Do I yeah, have you to? Should be able. Okay, it's it. There's not a space in the middle. Yeah. Okay. I'm very excited to see how this goes. Me too. I think either way this happens is going to be very interesting. Agreed. Oh, I didn't put a space in there. <laughs> uh, hold on a second. I'm just going to delete this. Yeah. False alarm. <laughs> I know how to roll dice. Well, that's a minus two. Ooh. We are safe for now. <laughs> yes, if the result is positive, the terror succeeds at courting the human and entering our plane. Uh, if it's negative, which in this case, since it's minus two, it is negative, the terror fails. And so based on the outcome, we work together to narrate uh, the fate of the human, the terror, and our plane of existence. Um, so... I think here... That it's interesting to me if this is an intentional fail. Because the terror was Zephyr. I mean, okay, so I don't think that it's necessarily, quote-unquote, an intentional fail. But I think that this is a point, there was a point where, it might have been the Kari thing, where Zephyr went, this isn't how this should go. Mm-hmm. And, and, I don't want to be the one that does this. So, then the goal became, keep Marius alive. Yeah. Which I was thinking about earlier. I was like, if it ends up being a negative result, it's probably going to be Zephyr making the choice to, I said that they were fickle, making the choice to not be the proxy. Mm -hmm. Like we had said. That's what I think this looks like. Okay. That's what I think that part looks like. So I don't know what you think this looks like for everyone else. Well, I definitely, paradoxically, I don't think this experience actually pushes Marius away from their investigations. I didn't think it would. <laughs> um, Because, you know, one of their adjectives is foolhardy, and in the This Town is Full of Monsters game, one of their uh, tags is Icarus. So I think that this will definitely color how Marius approaches studying this, this phenomenon in the future, but based on where we're leaving off, I'm not too sure how much opportunity they're going to get in the very near future, either. Well, um... Yeah. Quite honestly, Sable has no reason to believe that Marius was actually doing anything. I mean, maybe if they come in and they see Marius with a bruised and bloody nose. But, I mean, we'll find out what happens when we hit that point in the future. But Yeah. I will say that I think that the Shade of Zephyr is still in the library. Yeah, that that tracks. Hmm, is the name gone? Hmm, I don't think... I don't think it's gone. But I think it may have changed. Like, Annabelle punching Marius in the face had, like, a metaphysical side effect of, like, changing how her spirit is bound to Marius's in some way. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So. And part of that's... Part of that is because I don't want this avenue of uh, this connection being closed. I think it's it's more interesting to leave it open to develop Hell in other yeah. ways i mean that's why i left the shade there right yeah because i don't want that to be the end of the the dynamic mm -hmm. but yeah um so you said it changed yes 
do you know what it changed into or do you need to think about it <laughs> or do you not want to tell the listeners and you only want to tell me <laughs> uh i need to think about it okay um partly because i'm just going to have to do a little research okay love some research yeah. okay. okay how do we feel about that uh i feel i'm like slightly disappointed that it wasn't a positive but at the same time also a little relieved because i feel like if it had been a positive number that the narrative implications overall would have been fascinating but also i probably would have to retire marius <laughs> in yeah, this uh, in this particular universe and i am not quite ready to do that yeah and I feel like, narratively, the directions that we we're trying to go with the story, it is a little bit too soon for it to be a positive result. Like, it would have been very, very interesting for it to be a positive result. I would have been very, very excited to see what it looks like for yeah. her to have a more direct impact on the world. But, um, okay, so we didn't actually say this. I mean, it was pretty... It was kind of obvious. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't think it was that obvious that Zephyr was acting as her proxy. Yeah, it definitely bears, bears stating. Now that it's, now that we've at the, we're at the end, I think it's, it's, I didn't want to say it at the top. Yeah. Um, but now that we're at the end and we hit the result that we did, it, it is, it needs to be said that Zephyr was acting as proxy to she who will not be named. Hmm. <laughs> Um, aka she who whispers, aka the woman, the the goddess whose name I will not speak on this podcast because all the world's a stage, Scottish play, bullshit. Um, mm -hmm. the zombie queen that we stand. <laughs> Am I allowed to say her name? No. Okay. I I yeah you I, whatever I don't actually. <laughs> but yeah, so um, which is why I was thinking that you know part of the way through this but but zephyr and annabelle annabelle and zephyr same person um they still had their own autonomy in a lot of ways so they they you know were able to shift and change their goal as time went on and push the result in a particular direction did they really intend to do it in the ways that it happened no uh, I think if it were, like, especially that scene at the, te the second scene at the temple, um, I think if it were anyone but Marius, that might have been a token of favor. Yeah. But because it's Marius, and they are the way that they are, it ended up being a token of revulsion. Yeah. So things ended up working out, maybe not exactly the way that they intended them to, but in in a way that means that things are okay for now. That doesn't mean that they won't come back at some point in the future and everything will get fucked up. But I definitely agree with you here, Dora, that a positive... Uh, I don't think it would have had to retire Marius, though. I think we could have figured something out. It just would have been weird. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, you feel good about what we just did? Oh yeah, I I definitely feel good about it. I'm like, I'm feeling revitalized, man. I'm feeling so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to go take on the fucking mess that is my freezer. Hell yeah. yeah. On that <laughs> note, let's do outros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I can, I can do them since you did the intro. Yeah. Um, I've been Kales or Mac, depending. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Citadel of Swords. You can find my games at Citadel of Swords at itch.io. Uh, you can find the podcast and on Twitter at FTLcast, our website at FTLcast.com, and you can go to our Patreon and subscribe to it. For $5 a month, you get super cool bonus episodes, including some other episodes that tie into this one, which will be really, really cool. You should make sure you check them out. Yup. A lot of cool stuff. I've been Dora. You can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora. You can find the games that I've written, including this one, at harpydora.itch.io. Oh, yeah. And on that note, 
lab. It's August, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please consider leaving a rating on your podcast platform of choice, telling your friends about us, or tweeting about us using the FTLcast hashtag. We are also part of a nonprofit podcasting guild called Standing Stones Productions. We do a variety of shows, including The Room Where It Happened and Dumb Kids Playing Hero, two actual play shows, and a Steven Universe discussion podcast called Gay Space Rocks. We also do live streams at twitch.tv slash standingstonesprod. You can keep up with everything that we do on Twitter at stones underscore standing. Unfortunately, Standing Stones was already taken. Your support means a lot. Thanks again!